If you like Winnipeg Jets hockey and baseball, it has probably been a very bizarre last 48 hours. Between Kyle Connor's injury and the Shohei Otani deal, a lot of emotions, but Jets fans are trying to focus on how the Jets might make it without Kyle Connor. We'll dive into all of that on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Locked On Jets for uh, thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube. Doing so, of course, is always free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. Most of all, though, we just love and appreciate your support. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. Now, like I said, Winnipeg, right? It's been, uh, well, <laughs> for sports in general, been a bit of a crazy last 48 hours, but especially for you Jets fans who also happen to be Jays fans, Sorry, I know it's not exactly been um, a wonderful last 48 hours of sportsing in between the Kyle Connor injury and the Otani news. I'm sure a lot of you are feeling uh, like sports just don't love you back right now. But for the Jets, at least, right, you know, that's a, that's uh, something that the team can actually control. You know, the, the Kyle Connor injury, obviously a freak incident. Um, but, you know, Ryan Strom definitely, to me, stuck his leg out. He was clearly going for a hit whether it was the chicken wing that he extended or his knee that he also refused to retract. By the way, no supplementary discipline, if you can believe that. I guess they expect that the Shifley fight settled things, but you know this whole bullcrap with the Department of Player Safety and how the league wants it, how the players and GMs and everyone seem to want it, they want the players to enforce things out there, and it's not going to get better. So yeah, just a, a huge failure in my mind. And seeing the Strom hit back, it's just... It's ugly, right? And Kyle is is now likely to miss some time. I've seen a couple of different people who are legitimately doctors talking about it on Twitter. Uh, some suspect it could be some sort of MCL injury, which we just had Velarde come back from an MCL injury. You know, having to deal with this again for a top player, it's really annoying. And I know that somebody, I think it might have been Scott Billick or another local Winnipeg reporter, suggested that, you know, the Jets have weathered big losses before and they'll do it again this time, perhaps even managing to, to soak up the loss. But I think with Connor, I feel a little bit differently versus like Velarde, right? Gabriel is obviously a really good player and he's been a huge force since coming back. But Kyle is one of our most lethal finishers. And for a Jets team this year that over the past 10 games or so, has been scoring a bit under three goals a game on average, more like 2.23-ish, I would say. Um, that's that's a tough loss, right? KFC is really important for the power play. He's really important at even strength. And honestly, since having Ehlers promoted to his line, that trio was cooking with dynamite, not just gas, with dynamite. So to see him go down like that, especially after he's basically had almost an entirely injury-free career, 
is a huge bummer. Uh, and for the Jets, it just feels like a crushing blow. So the Jets are going to have to try and improvise in the meantime. And look, the reality is help is probably not coming anytime soon, at least on the face of it. As far as I know, I don't think the Jets are intending to try and acquire anyone externally. I'll talk about one option that might be um, in the Winnipeg's wheelhouse in just a little bit. But internally, right, the Jets are going to have to rearrange the lines and try and get something going. So I want to give you two lineups. I'm going to give you my interpretation of how the Jets could do it or, or, or maybe should do it and what I think the Jets will do. So from my perspective, what I would love to see is Perfetti, Shifley, and Ehlers together, then Niederreiter, Nemesnikov, and Velarde. Uh, the third line, I have follow Lowry and Appleton, and the fourth line, Baron, um, Gustafson, and AJF, right? Now, this, this lineup isn't exactly ideal, if we're being honest. There are some sacrifices you're going to have to make. And honestly, with the bottom six, you could probably swap Ayafalo and Baron. I don't know that it would necessarily make a huge difference, but I feel like Baron uh, or or even Gustafson, one of those guys has probably earned a bigger look. Uh, Baron scored in the past couple of games. Wouldn't mind seeing him get a promotion. Um, Gustafson's just been a really big force for this team. So I feel like given the circumstances, right, this is the best way to try and balance, you know, the, the skill levels, skill levels that you have remaining without any call-ups and with the talent on hand, the Jets can still ice a pretty good team. And with Niederreiter arguably being one of Winnipeg's secret weapons offensively, I feel like he'd be able to keep up with the top six. Obviously I'm not asking him to be like an elite player, but you know, given the fact that the second line doesn't even play as much as the third line, might not even be a situation where his ice time deployments actually change all that much. Maybe he even gets less time compared to what he would usually get with the third line, uh, a.k.a. the Lowry line. So, yeah, I feel like this wouldn't be the worst, though. We know that Perfetti can probably do well with with Shifley and Ehlers. Obviously, he's not quite Connor, but his creativity and skill might be able to make use of Shifley's finishing and Ehlers is Ehlers, right? So that trio should do well. Niederreiter, Nemestikov, and Velarde you know, probably a pretty, pretty decent trio. They might not like light the world on fire, but perhaps Nino's uh, finishing ability and skill in forechecking will help Velarde and Nemestikov to find the score sheet a little more frequently. So that's a lineup that I could see working. What I think the Jets might actually do, and this wouldn't shock me, is maybe they go back to what they've done before with Ayafalo going up with Shifley and Ehlers. I really don't like that combo. I feel like Ayafalo just isn't able to elevate that unit enough to where I'd feel comfortable with it. You know, with Ehlers kind of doing more of the heavy lifting, it might be a bit different than having uh, Shifley, e, uh, Shifley, Connor, and Ayafalo together. But so far, you know, for me, Ayafalo has definitely looked more like a bottom six player. He's had a couple of good scoring moments and a couple of chances where he's gotten into good areas. But overall, right, the rest of his game hasn't really stood out enough to earn top six minutes. But I wouldn't be shocked if he somehow gets a look up there. The second line, you're probably going to see the same thing. Perfetti, Nemesnikov, and Velarde. Uh, Bones may not touch that since that's his third line anyways. And then it allows him to keep Niederreiter, Lowry, and Appleton together, which he seemingly really loves. So, you know, all that said, it, it just seems like, for me, I follow in the top six just hasn't necessarily worked as well as I'd like. And I feel like with the Jets needing more of an offensive punch, I'd look at the guy who's really been scoring pretty well for you in Niederreiter instead. But I know how Bones is. I know what he's going to want. 
And it also wouldn't shock me to see a call-up for Toninato, uh, just because Bones definitely has a type when it comes to his middle six and bottom six forwards, and Toninato probably fits that to AT. So, yeah, I, I got to be honest. I think the loss of KFC is really going to hurt more than perhaps some are letting on. I'm hoping not to uh, see it happen in the Sharks game, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But all I can say is uh, a little bit concerned, to say the least. Now, in just a little bit, I did want to talk about an interesting player who's come up for trade that, you know, maybe could step in temporarily for 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 Connor, especially if KFC is slated to miss uh, a good long while. We know that an MCL injury can be weeks to months at a time. So, yeah, it, it is a tough loss and potentially a longer term one. But before we talk about this player in Jakob Vrana, I did want to shout out our friends and partners at uh, at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your vehicle alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and so much more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has, you, has your back all the time. With over 122 million parts for your number one vehicle, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home the victory. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply, eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Everydayers, thank you so much for rejoining us tonight's episode as we talk about uh, the Winnipeg Jets needing to find a potentially external solution to Kyle Connor's injury. Obviously, this is a crushing loss for the Jets. Uh, we know that this, I mean, it's, this is one of the most significant injuries this team has had this year, and Winnipeg has already had two of them to both Heinola and Velarde. But KFC, right? KFC is an even more integral part of this team, and it, it's whether it's at even strength or at, at the power play, you know, the loss of KFC it's it's really tough to see how the Jets are going to try and go on without him. But there is an external option. Before we talk about Jakob Vrana and what he could potentially bring to the Jets and whether he's even worth trying to acquire, I did want to shout out something cool the Locked On Network is doing. We are launching the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you all day, 24-7, covering the top stories of the day with our local experts and our national shows showing every league. Go to Locked On Sports of the Day on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. And again, it is 24-7, and sometimes you may even see some Winnipeg Jets content float around if there is a big storyline. But I guess for the Jets right now, the biggest storyline is Kyle Cotter, and none other than uh, Jakob Vrana from the St. Louis Blues, Red Wings, and Washington Capitals has well, actually, he was placed on waivers earlier today and then revoked, right? Suddenly, he was no longer on waivers, uh, which suggests that something in his camp changed, and the Blues might be making him available for trade. Now, Verona, from what I've heard, has a cap hit of around 2.5 to 2.7-ish million, which is not bad. Uh, what, I, what I'll say about Verona, and this has kind of been my issue with him over the last few years, is that for one thing, he doesn't play a lot of games. And in the games that he has played, he's been 
a relatively solid impact player. You look at his numbers on the box score, and until this year, he's actually been putting up pretty good, pretty good numbers, right? Uh, you might not see anything that makes you like sit up and say, wow, you know, this guy is elite, but I think he's generally been pretty productive. Last year in 20 games with the Blues, he had 10 goals and four assists, uh, which is about a half goal per game. And with the Red Wings uh, in his like first couple of seasons, he had anywhere from like maybe 0.7 goals per game to about half a goal per game, which is again, pretty good, right? You prorate that for an entire season. That's a 40 goal year. And then he's, you know, racking up a couple of assists alongside that. And, you know, he can help on the power play and at even strength. So it's not like he's a one-dimensional sort of player. From what I used to watch him uh, or what I used to see of him with the Caps was a really elusive player. I wouldn't say, I, I would say the closest comparison I have is similar to like um, a Brian Rust meets Nikolai Ehlers. Now, Ehlers is much better in transition in pure creation. Uh, with Verona, he was just always a very good finisher and he was very creative, very elusive in space and a smart shooter. So he knew how to punish goalies. He knew good shooting angles. He always got into dangerous areas and he was a very dynamic and creative player. He still has some of that to his game, maybe not as much as he used to, and maybe not as explosive, but if you're looking for a guy who could potentially step in and actually help the Jets, especially a, a guy who's used to playing in the top six, and quite honestly could use a change of scenery, maybe the Jets would be interested in taking a flyer on him. Now, where I kind of have some reservation is that part of the reason Verona has had issues over the years is that he was battling substance abuse. And he did get help, and it sounded like things were going well, but you never know, right? It's it's really tough. Substance abuse can be really debilitating, and I just don't know what his mental and physical state is like at this point, right? It's been a rough last few years. He hasn't played a lot. He's had issues with the, you know, the benchings and stuff recently with the blues. I just don't know where he is mentally uh, and if he'd be capable of getting back into a really strong game shape. Now, the Jets might be a good opportunity for him to get into a new environment, one that's very supportive, one that's likely, you know, very tightly knit and, and family oriented. So, Maybe the Jets would actually be a really good destination and you'd actually see uh, the player that he used to be, which is a really talented, great scorer, somebody who you could pro probably bring around for a couple more seasons and honestly have a good time with. And Vrana, I think, would be a really nice top nine upgrade. Best of all, right, the Blues are trying to get rid of him, which means that if you were to dangle maybe Logan Stanley, uh, perhaps with a pick or something, maybe they'd actually be willing to do a salary retained deal. If the Blues were able to eat one million of his cap hit or something like that, that would be very palatable. Suddenly you get a really quality middle six option at a price tag that is almost unbeatable. And again, right, even if he doesn't pan out, it's not like the assets the Jets were giving up are playing a particularly huge role. You know, if you give them like, like a mid-round pick or something, who cares? Stanley goes, you, you get his cap hit off, you open up a roster spot, and you slowly declog the Jets deep uh, I guess, pipeline, allowing some of the younger kids to step in and do their thing. So there's a lot of, of winning here. And again, it's kind of one of those for me, low risk moves that could pay off reasonably well. Uh, Verana is a really good all situations attacker. You know, you're not going to use them on the PK uh, for, for instance, but on the power play and at even strength, yeah, you get, you're getting a legit finisher and he's probably one of the closest players 
you could find that could actually do some of what uh, Connor did, even if he doesn't do it anywhere near at the same level and is certainly uh, not, not the same elite level of player that Connor is. But he's still pretty darn good. And I think that for the Jets would be enough for the next few months. If he does really well, maybe you look at a longer term deal. But for the time being, right, if you're trying to do a cheap external option, somebody that could potentially draw interest and maybe even resuscitate his career with the Jets. Yeah, you know, I think that there's an argument for Vrana. I'm kind of in the camp of it needs to be a trade where the Jets give up something to get him because I think Winnipeg would be wise to kind of deal with the Stanley situation now. But I think the the one question I have is if the Jets would actually like to do that because they've always, you know, had this thing about trading, you know, what they view as top assets in the division, and maybe they'd do that again this time. Now, they definitely gave the Blues a big package for Stastny back in the day, so maybe they do it again here. And honestly, Stanley going to the Blues would probably be more of a help to the Jets than it is St. Louis. But, you know, that's for a different time, right? In the meantime, let's hope that Connor's injury is not as long-term as it seems and that it's more of a week-to-week thing rather than a month-to-month. All we want is a quick recovery. Before any of this can even happen, though, obviously the Jets have to take care of a, uh, take care of what is exactly in front of them, and the Sharks are uh, coming up next, and they're going to be a really tough opponent. They have somehow, once again, very nearly come back against the Vegas Golden Knights after doing it like three or four straight games where they trailed and either came back to just lose in overtime or ended up actually winning. So we'll talk about you know, what is going on with the Sharks team and whether Winnipeg should be worried for tomorrow night's game in just a little bit. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at Sleeper. Anyway, NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities. Mark Shifley could score 50 goals. The Jets could hoist the Stanley Cup. And you could win big by playing Daily Fantasy Hockey on Sleeper, the official Daily Fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you could win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. For those of you who are stats nerds and love following all of the box scores and numbers for your favorite players, this is an ideal app for you. Sleeper offers tons of stats categories, whether it's plus or minus, saves, save percentage, points, goals, assists, whatever it is that you want, whether it's as detailed or as perhaps macro as you can imagine. They've got tracking for all the top players, McDavid, Shifley, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Ehlers, Perfetti, uh, our our favorite friends from (laughs) the Calgary Flames. No matter what it is that you are into or whoever you track, you can be sure that they've got you covered. And best of all, if you can beat their projections, whether it's more or less than what Sleeper thinks they're going to score per game, you can win big. If you get eight categories or more correct, you could win 100 times your bet with Sleeper. That's eight statistical category projections correct. So start paying attention and nail your pick so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions do apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts of tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day, thank you for joining us in tonight's episode as we wrap up with a couple of quick thoughts ahead of Winnipeg's games, uh, a game against uh, the, the San Jose Sharks. We talked about it a little bit yesterday, and now the Jets are on the precipice of facing 
a Sharks team that is surprisingly scary. Uh, I don't even know how you could possibly say that after seeing what the Sharks have done this year, but if you've been paying attention to the last five or six games, you know there's something about the Sharks team that's a little bit different than the start of the season. San Jose has fallen behind in all of these games for the most part, um, and somehow they've either come just short of, of completing the comeback or they actually did and won or at least scratched out a point. These are against decent teams like Detroit, Vegas, uh, you know, competitive squads that maybe are either uh, at or near the top of their division. So, you know, <laughs> the Sharks team, it's, it's hard to figure out what sort of team they really are because on paper, they're awful. Uh, this squad is very much a, a youth-oriented team with a couple of, you know, tweener veterans, maybe one or two star players, and then random guys that they've picked up who have actually been doing pretty well for them. I'm talking about like Mikhail Gronland, who apparently is suddenly scoring again after doing nothing for the Penguins. Uh, you've got Philip Zadina, who has carved out a bottom six role, maybe not what he was expecting to do with the Sharks team that's rebuilding, but you know, San Jose is is definitely a team that makes you earn it. And uh, yeah, interesting team, right? You know, you've got Eklund, Hurdle, and Barabanov on the first line, Duclair, Gronland, and Zetterland on the second, Justin Bailey, Sturm, and LeBanc on your third, and then Jacob McDonald, Philip Zadina, and Hoffman on the fourth. What's interesting about them and what's kind of curious is like their wing depth is actually not awful on the right side. There's like some pretty legit NHLers, although you'd look at the, the arrangement and wonder if it's not reversed, right? You would think Hoffman and LeBanc would be in the top six instead, but somehow they found themselves on the third and fourth lines. Eklund obviously is still kind of a work in progress, but he's got a lot of talent. Hurdle we know is just really skilled, and Duke and Gronland both have like legit scoring ability that can make them dangerous and will probably make them reasonably desirable trade uh, assets on the market. The defense and uh, the goaltending is where I think the Sharks are particularly leaky. They've got a couple of goalies who you might be familiar with, Blackwood and Kakinen, not exactly uh, guys that I would say inspire tons of confidence. Both have been a little bit better in some instances, but overall, they're still, you know, despite, you know, receiving 40 plus shots on goal a game, not able to make as many saves as I think they'd like, in part because the defense in front of them is not exactly elite. Uh, Ferraro and Burroughs anchor the first pairing. Okotiok, I don't know how you quite pronounce that, apologies. Uh, Okotiok and Ruta on the second pairing, and Thrun and Kalen Addison on the third pairing. If you notice, there's like no top 4D here. It's all, for the most part, depth blue liners, guys who are, you know, okay-ish, but not exactly great. Uh, if you were to put them on like a third pairing somewhere, maybe they'd be able to thrive a little bit more. But so far, they've all been sinking and swimming, and it's not exactly been a, a pleasant experience if you're on the Sharks' defense. It, <laughs> You might say they're, they're going to need a bigger boat, but... The Sharks, when they're down, seemingly chase the game super aggressively, and they have come back in so many of these games where it looked like they had zero chance. So for the Jets, you need to stay off the PK. You need to give uh, yourself a pretty decent uh, goal lead, apparently, because they will claw back four goals in the last 30 minutes of a game easily for some reason. I don't even know how that happens. Uh, and it's not like they've just done it to bad teams. 
They've done it to some quality opponents, too. They scared the Vegas Golden Knights last time and forced overtime after it looked like that game was well-sealed and shut. So, yeah, trap game, one that I think the Jets are going to want to be careful with. And, you know, with Chevy scouting, you know, the Philadelphia Flyers and a few other teams looking for some trade options, you know, the Jets have to focus on what's kind of ahead and make sure that they take care of business so that they prove to the front office that it's actually worth pursuing a couple of trade options. But let me know your predictions for this game. I'm going to say the Jets win 5-2. to two. That's my score prediction. Leave your predictions in the comments below and let me know what you think of the potential suggestions for replacements for Connor or whether you think there's somebody else out there or maybe even an internal option that the Jets should explore first. Give me your thoughts below or at my social medias at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day every day. We'll see you back here tomorrow for more Jets coverage and maybe some early thoughts from Winnipeg versus San Jose. So don't go anywhere. Have a great night. And as always, go Jets go.